So, uh, we have a treat today. Uh, for the first time in all of my ministry, you're going to hear from my wife. <clears throat> and my daughter Destiny flew up from Texas, and Mariah, my daughter, is here for Mother's Day, and we're going to have a conversations with mom. So will you please welcome my wife and my daughters. God bless you. Can you hear me? There we go. Well, welcome to me. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for being here. And it's going to be what a treat that we get to be here with mom. I think in the 27 years that I've been alive, I've never heard you speak like this before. So here we go. I'm excited. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, but in just in lieu of Mother, not in lieu of Mother's Day, but because of Mother's Day, we just wanted to hear from you and the wisdom that you do have. Um, so if you're in the room and you're not a mom or you're a man, lean in <laughs> because there are things that you can gather from this. There's going to be just truth bombs that are spoken and you can even just tuck it in your back pocket. All right. Just keep it back there. And then you just be like, I remember Rhonda said this and um, this is what I need to do. So, all right. We got it? <laughs> awesome. Well, we do have notes, so bear with us, um, but it is a conversation, so Mariah will be asking the questions, and Mom will be answering them, of course. Mariah, would you like to say hello? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, I think we should probably just pray and then invite the Lord in this space, because, you know, without him, we are just people who talk. So, <laughs> all right. Well, Father, we are just grateful, grateful to be in your house, God. We just ask that you come in this space, God, and you speak to us, God. Right now, we pray for the mothers in this room. God, we ask that you open up their hearts. We pray for the fathers in this room, God. Open up their hearts, God, to receive what you have for them in this moment, God. In and of ourselves, God, we have nothing good to say, as God's, as Dad says. And so, God, we, we invite you into this space. You speak through us into your people in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. To get all of us comfortable up here, and especially mom and possibly Mariah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're just going to ask a few just questions just to get to know us and get to know mom, especially. So, And we are going to tell some stories. Um, just be kind to us as we share those stories. Be kind uh, to me. Please. Be kind to mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, Mariah, what do we got? All right, we're going to start off with some rapid fire questions. So Ooh. what is the best and worst gift you've gotten from us? The only bad gifts are the ones you've never given me. Ouch. Ouch. And you're worse. We're doing great so far today. Best gift. Best gift. The best gift is any quality time I get to have with all of my kids together. And the probably, I'm sorry, girls, the best tangible gift I've ever gotten was a rock that Zach found for me when he was three years old that was shaped like a heart that I now wear as a necklace. What a suck up. All right. Did you keep any of our art projects? Okay. I did not physically keep them, but as we saw last night, we saw, we have, Kyle is a witness, that I did indeed keep them on digital format. On a terabyte. A terabyte. Yes. 
they're on Don't a lose photographed them. on a terabyte storage, but we have them. Thank you for that. Yeah. Is there anything you wish you wouldn't have worried about so much as a mother? I could have been less obsessive about housework. We'd Amen. Up. Truth be told. 7 a.m. 7 a.m. to the vacuum hitting our door on Saturday. It's truth. That was how we woke up. It's possible. All right. What's the best and, dare I say, the worst part about being a mother? By far the best part is being loved by the little humans that you created, sticky fingers, boogie noses, dirty diapers, and teenage years, and being unconditionally loved. And I did ask them if I could say unconditionally loved, and they said yes. So <laughs> um, the worst part, I, the hardest part, I wouldn't say it's the worst. It can be the most rewarding, but the most difficult part of being a mom would be that moment you have to release them and pray to God that you have given them what they need to succeed in life and to a foundation to build their lives upon. And you hope that you did your job correctly. I, I did, did find out a couple of things that I had missed when each of my kids called to wonder, what side of the check do you sign your name on? <laughs> and what side of the envelope does a stamp actually go on? So we did miss Honest a few questions. things, but... Those sweet nothingness phone calls that Diane talked about. <laughs> What's your funniest and most embarrassing mom story? There is no question that it would be the Passover Seder that some people witnessed here. Oof. But let me I tell will you about let that. Destiny tell that story. Okay. <clears throat> Buckle up. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Seder dinner, nothing. There's a it's a beautiful thing that they do for. It's a Jewish thing. Yep. Um, so <laughs> um, we were invited. Dad and Mariah actually were invited. Uh, we were just tag along, Zach and I. Um, but they were invited to speak at this Seder meal. Angie was there, and she remembers. There's probably some other people there, too. And um, so we get there. We're running late. Mom has already gotten us McDonald's on the way, um, Zach and I. And I don't think Mariah was in the car with us, was she? No. She was wearing a Kmart dress. Nothing nothing bad about Kmart, but just the memory of that dress <laughs> is wonderful. <laughs> um, and so we are, Zach and I are complaining all the way there. She's like, we're just going to slide in the back. We were running late. We're going to just slide in the back and sit down. We're just going to watch your dad and your sister do what they need to do, and then we're going to leave. And we're like, okay. We get there, and someone walks in. We're like, oh, my gosh, we're so glad that you're here. You have your seat right up here. And it would be like us right here facing everyone. <laughs> we were in the front of the room and there was a table that we had to sit on and so Zach sits on the end and I'm there then mom and then Mariah and then dad so Mariah had to say some verse and dad had some part in it but they do a lot of symbolism in the Seder meal and with as an what, a, what were we 10 maybe as a 10 year old that food was disgusting um <laughs> so we tried it and then immediately Zach and I were like this is disgusting. And so we start goofing off and we get the giggles like so bad. And mom was so mad at us. And she has a, she's a pro, we'll come to learn this, at just smiling and just, if you don't stop, I am going to hurt you. <laughs> but so like they're doing like the symbolism of like the communion and like they have you dip the finger however many times. Andrew, remember this. I look over and Zach is making a smiley face on his. And so then I'm like, okay, let's go. And so then I am like, as fast as I can. <laughs> 
And the guy is talking about the symbolism of the blood, how it washes away your sins. And I tip the cup over, and it starts spilling all over and disappearing. And I don't know where it's going. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then Zach is trying to eat, like, the lamb or whatever they give us that's just sour. And we, he's, I look over, and I'm like, are you going to eat it? And he goes, yes. And he drops it in his lap, but he pretends that he's eating. And so we are crying, laughing. And mom is like, if you do not pull yourselves together, excuse yourself. Like, we couldn't excuse ourselves because there was a whole thing behind us. And so it was just terrible. And then all of a sudden, mom, just as casual as she can, goes, bomb, and kicks Zach. And he goes, and then I go, mom. The tablecloth doesn't hit the ground. <laughs> and so she just knew everyone saw her do that. And we were just, we were weeping, laughing so hard. It was like, and dad had no idea. Dad was sitting there and he was like, <clears throat> Mariah gets up and does her verse. And Zach and I are just weeping. And that is the Seder meal. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> All right. Some of our favorite mom quotes that Destiny and I kind of put together. Life's not fair. <laughs> Take true. some ibuprofen. You'll be fine. That's true also. <laughs> it's not about you. That is also true. Life's not fair. It isn't fair. <laughs> Um, I love you to the moon. Yeah, that is true. Also, what else we we do hard things. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then she does this when someone thinks when someone says something funny, she goes, "That's funny." Straight face. <laughs> That's funny. But she doesn't laugh. <laughs> Her sister does this as well. <laughs> but she goes, "That's so funny." You immediately question the funniness of your joke, and it, it is funny. <laughs> Um, what else would you want others to say about you after you are gone? When I'm gone, I want to be remembered as a follower of Jesus who loved and served her family well. Very good. All right. That's enough. Uh, <laughs> so I think it would benefit us to get a little bit, because I don't think a lot of people know what mom did before she was Rhonda Bartolomeo. Um, I think it would be beneficial for us to understand, like, as you stepped into motherhood, and as you did these, you know, began to work in the church and, you know, be with dad and all this, what did you do before all of that? Before that, I went to Bible college and then following Bible college, I went and worked at Fort Worth Teen Challenge, which was an, I was an in-house counselor where I sat with women coming off cocaine, crack. I presented our program to probation officers, judges. I ran the inner workings of the house. I indeed taught drug, former drug, drug addicts coming off of drugs that indeed throwing a pizza in the oven does require removing the plastic and the cardboard so as not to catch fire in the <laughs> oven. Um, very practical things, but very rewarding. And I believe that is where you met the one and only? I did meet your father through a mutual friend at a gym. Um, he, yeah. He, He's nervous. <laughs> shall we 
yes, it was love for, at first sight for me, but I didn't make a final decision until I knew he had a walk with the Lord, he was a leader and had other qualities, but the spandex shorts were... That didn't, that didn't hurt. <laughs> um, so safe to say you kind of stalked him. I did indeed stalk him. I didn't know how else because we didn't have social media. There was no Facebook to stalk, no Instagram. There was nothing. Because you wanted to know that he was a good guy. I wanted to know he was a legitimate good guy, that he had a good reputation, that he was a leader, that he was what he appeared to be, that he was better than what he appeared to be. And once I've discovered that, I would, I made a decision I would marry him. <laughs> and then he decided he would marry me. Very nice. So then you got married, and how long did you wait to have kids? We did wait five years to have kids, which was probably a lot of wisdom in that decision. Yeah, I could see that. Mm -hmm. We were a handful. I'm just kidding. No, we weren't. I thought it was because we Dad was a handful, children. but it could be both. <laughs> um, and then in the, in the context of what you guys have been talking about as a church and the spiritual gifts, I think we all would like to know what are your spiritual gifts. My top five spiritual gifts would be administration, leadership, discernment, apostleship, and serving. Have those changed? I don't think so. I don't think so either. No, I don't think so. <laughs> awesome. All right. Now that we know you, all right, okay. I think it's easy for us to step into the first question. Um, Mariah, what is our first question? What were your life passions and dreams before becoming a parent, and how did they evolve after having children? In my early years, I wanted to be a builder and an architect like my father, um, which are still things I, hobbies and things I'm passionate about. I love, I have loved building houses. I've loved designing. I love the process of all of that. It is something I grew up with. As I got older, I had read about the ministry of Teen Challenge and had a real heart for helping people in that lifestyle come out of that. And I did think I would live in an inner city and run a Teen Challenge or a street-type ministry. Um, but I did get to work at Teen Challenge for a couple of years, and those were very fulfilling years for me. Um, but ultimately, my passion was investing in the lives of others. Um, having a family, and then in that family and in that marriage context, working together with my husband. I was not interested in chasing my own career. For me, that wasn't something that I was wanting. I wanted to partner with my husband and have a family and do life together. And so as you kind of began to have kids and you started doing that, did all those gifts and everything, did they just kind of get pushed to the side? Or how did you continue... How did, how did that work out? Because I think a lot of moms think that everything, that their dreams and passions have to stay on the side as they focus on these kids to make sure uh -huh. that everything's, you know, they're doing the right thing. And then when the kids go out, it's like, oh, I forgot about these. Like, how uh -huh. did you manage that? I, I believe that God gives you your dreams and your passions. And I think that had the season of having kids or marriage, they can look a little bit different. Um, regardless if you have young kids at home, regardless of how it feels, you will have a lot of life left in you when your kids are grown to continue developing those passions. Um, I think we all read the Proverbs 31 woman and we think that she did that all at one time. Ladies, that was over the course of a lifetime. 
So just take a deep breath and breathe through that one, and you don't have to do it all at once. Um, you truly get one season and one chance at raising your kids and seize that moment because you will wish that you had... I don't know that you can possibly get through raising kids without having a couple regrets or I could have done more or I could have done this so and I think like the key here is what you're saying is like you didn't put it to the side there were certain things and dreams that you had to put to the side for a season but you were determined and I think us kids could say that you brought she brought us along with everything that she did everything that dad did it wasn't like she was like I'm sorry I can't come I have the kids at home you know she you you brought people in our lives you brought us to other people so that we could experience the Mm -hmm. the ministry alongside of what they Mm -hmm. were doing correct yeah I think I desperately had wanted to have mentors in my life when I was younger and having kids and young married and I was, I'd never had that. And I remember having that conversation with Mike probably many times. And I remember one day he just finally said, you don't have it. So just be the woman that you wish you had. And I, at that moment, early on in youth ministry, decided that I would be available for women because I didn't, I had to learn so many things the hard way. And I got graciously, Chris Wagner and Angie. (laughs) gave me a voice in their life, and they're still here. <laughs> I would, that, that's just amazing to me, and I'm grateful. Yeah, that's good. And it speaks volumes about them and about you and just about, but it also speaks to everyone in the room, to us, that, like, if you don't have what you're looking for, you can be that person. Mm-hmm. And you can t- right. turn that, like, as a mother, as, as a wife, or as a husband, you can be that person that you never had. Mm-hmm. And and that is what you, you've, you multiplied yourself, mm-hmm. and not that they are you, but they are are expressions of what God has gifted you mm-hmm. in. And I think that that is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so don't neglect that. You know, don't right. just sit in a corner and just be like, well, I didn't get it. You know, you mm-hmm. be that person. You yeah. take that effort and you do that. And you are a great example of that. And so um, the one dreams that had to be shelved were which ones? International travel was probably the one that, was the biggest sacrifice, but I have absolutely no regrets. I I was needed at home, and it didn't seem wise at those seasons that two of us be traipsing through Russia and Ukraine in crazy vehicles. Somebody needed to stay home and be yeah. with kids. So. And Dad did a lot of traveling, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How many trips did he take without you? <laughs> I actually do have a solid number. <laughs> There were 20. And how long were those trips at a time? <laughs> Up to two weeks at a time from 1994 to 2007, but who's counting? <laughs> who's counting? Who's you know? counting? And then you did go on a tr- You did at some point when you knew that we were old enough to, you know, be taken care of by someone else that you, you did right. go, right? Yes, I did. All my first missions trip was to Sri Lanka, and I don't recall what year that was, but you kids were all old enough. Not to stay home alone, but that I felt like I could leave you. But bring that in perspective. The phone call that you got from us (laughs) as you are overseas. (laughs) In the context of being in Sri Lanka, we are driving from Colombo through windy roads up to a tea plantation. And I'm on a cell phone 
an old, you know, the big, big bulky cell phones back then. And Destiny had rolled a, a four-wheeler. On top of me. Des Zach had driven one into the lake. Down a hill. <laughs> Down a hill. And Mariah would not speak to me because she was playing games with the boys in the family. <laughs> she was four, four or five. I was busy. <laughs> she was busy. And I said, can you just please put her on the phone for me? She said, oh, I heard Mariah. I don't want to talk to her. <laughs> I was like, put her on the phone. <laughs> she would not talk to me. That was I my... think that is just the you stepping out and doing what you had mm -hmm. a passion to do. Mm -hmm. And you... You then get this phone call that your kids are just rolling over, <laughs> just getting themselves hurt. One doesn't even want to talk to you, and you yeah. stepped out, and you were like, okay, this is not what I thought I was going to look like, but here we are. We're stepping out in the passions and the dreams that God has given you, and you did it, and then you continue to do it. Right. I do think a lot of things don't. I mean, you make accommodations when you have kids. If there's things that are important to you, we all do exactly what we want if it's important enough to us, and when the kids were before school years, I just tag, they tagged along with everything I did. We had McDonald's playdates. We had church playdates. If I was painting at the church, they were there. They played in the nursery. Mike had a playpen in his office for years and years. Um, and then after they started school and we were in a, our last building, then I, a friend of ours had a locked cabinet with snacks for the kids. When they'd get off the bus, they had a locked cabinet that she kept filled with great Subway snacks. And then Mariah had a nap mat under my, under my desk so she could grab a, turn the heater on, grab a pillow, and take her nap because she likes her sleep. And you, just, her sleep. you just threw that I away. I just threw it away a year ago. <laughs> um, but I think it's important for us to bring perspective. You guys started the church when? 2000 in, in our home and mariah was just born mm -hmm. and zach was maybe how old five Fox. and so you you felt you know they felt the call to start this church with little kids <laughs> and like i think we forget that it's like oh you look at them like, oh that's great it's like no they had little kids like they were doing life they didn't stop what god had called them to do mm -hmm. and they figured it out and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more but they they didn't just Paw, put pause it's like well we'll start it later when the kids are out of the house it's like no we're going to show them how to work and we're going to and, and we worked <laughs> i mm -hmm. mean we set up and tear down at discovery at uh, uh what was the other one the tech college the tech college sorry um and like i remember that in the winter our little hands would get stuck on the music stands because it was so cold <laughs> But it was like our job. We got gloves, don't worry. But sometimes, you know, as kids, you just forget. Um, but it's important to note that, like, they moved on and you guys started showing up. And they continued to pour and live their lives as God had called them. And I think that that's like the epitome of what you and dad have done with our lives is that you just showed us how you can continue to do what you want with other people with you. Mm -hmm. So I think that... Um, you know, you also supported dad at the same time. Mm -hmm. And not just, you didn't just raise the kids, but you supported dad. And so, Mariah, what is our second question here? Uh, how did you manage to balance your busy life with three kids in school and still find time for fa uh, family, faith, and the church and your own social life? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, first off, church. Church was always a top priority and that was not simply because of our role in the church, but it was because we were the Mike Bartolomeo family, and we defined that. We were 
different. I've never, I told my kids, we're, we're different. Everybody, we live differently than others and we do hard, and we do hard things. Yeah. Um, my relationship with the Lord, I didn't, he's never been in a time slot for me. He's always been part of every day, all the time. And granted, sometimes that <laughs> when kids are young, that is a shout out prayer that God just please help me keep them alive until tomorrow. Um, <laughs> that's reality. And I think God honors the, God honors those prayers as well. Yeah. Um, my family, my marriage has always been first. Um, when we had five years without kids and when we welcomed kids in, they did not become the center of our family, but they were additions to what Mike and I already had established. Um, I, a firm believer that healthy kids are grown out of healthy marriages. Yeah. Um, so that has always been a priority for us is to spend time alone, keep our relationship solid. We, when the kids were fairly young, started taking vacations to uh, often to Florida where it was warm in the winter without them, um, just keeping our relationship alive, very well aware that one day they would all be gone and it would be back to Mike and I. And then we wanted our kids to have that modeled for their futures as well. Um, my social life obviously often entailed having my kids with me. Um, and that was highly my motivation for raising kids that I enjoyed and had fun with and that other people enjoyed and wanted to have over and wanted to babysit. So I did the hard work at home so that I could have those freedoms and I loved every season that my kids were in. I, there's not one season that I didn't, that I wished away. How did you want us kids to be known? Well, first off, I wanted you to be known as followers of Jesus, leaders, your leaders, not followers, Amen. respectful, honest, kind, and loyal to one another. I think you have to start with an end, the end in mind, and then lead to those outcomes. I don't, if without a vision, people perish. Kids will perish. You have to have a vision for what you want them to be as an adult, and then lead toward that. And I think practically, you know, you you want your kids to be, everyone wants your kids to be known as someone like a good, solid, you know, kids. But practically, you know, how did you do that? Like, did you just keep us at home? What'd you do? No, I took you, again, I took you everywhere with me. I kept doing my life with kids. It was slower. It was inconvenient. We packed a lot of lunches. We learned to take naps wherever we could find them. And um, I think Practically, I wanted you to know that you were bigger, that you were part of something bigger than yourselves. I think society wants to have us just so inwardly focused, and I wanted my kids to have a world perspective, to have a perspective of seeing other people's needs and serving other people. Um, practically, we did that by keeping a globe in the house, and when dad was traveling, okay, he flew from here to here, and I would have you pick your toys, and some of you were better about sending good toys overseas to give to, for dad to give to kids, and some gave the McDonald's toys. But you, we encourage you to be part of dad's story, which became part of your story. Yeah. And then I think, like, some, like, core, like, basically values in our, lot, in our family were respect. You wanted us to be known as kids who were respectful, mm -hmm. you know, looking people in the eyes. I, I mean, I... He was very shy, as you can imagine. Um, 
She was actually the most shy child I had. I really had. was. Um, but I, uh, what did I do? I don't even she remember. She would hide this. behind my skirt or my pants, and I'd make pull her out. It's like you have to look these people in the eye when they're saying hello to you. You have to. You just have to. Yeah. And it's and like along the that. way, you were teaching us how to be respectful in every area. And mm -hmm. then the next one was obedience. Like, why, why did you want us to be obedient? I think we raise our kids to be obedient. It could appear to be self-serving to make me look good. But the reality is I wanted them to obey and hear the voice of God. And that does start at home. Yeah. It starts with honoring and obeying the leadership in the home. And that was their dad and I, and, but now that translates over where they make, they can hear and obey the voice of God for their own lives. Yeah. And then another characteristic is you wanted us to be loyal to our family and to one another. Absolutely. And I do have another great story about this. Um, what grade was I in third grade? Maybe we were, Zach and I were in karate class. I was the only girl, and um, I was in, we were, what school we were in? Voyage, Voyager. Voyager Elementary, in the kitchen to the left, I remember so vividly. <laughs> um, and I was wearing blue velvet pants, and I was doing karate, and the guy in front of me, the instructor was, like, doing this, and I peed my pants. <sighs> Tragic, I know. Um <laughs> So embarrassing. And um, I was standing there, and the guy was like, all right, let's take a break and maybe use the restroom. <laughs> and I was like, really? And Zach started, stuck up for me so much that he, he was, looked at the teacher, and he goes, go get a mop and call my mom. <laughs> And I just, I went over to like the column with my wet blue vit, blue velvet pants and I just stood there. And then he had all the boys in the karate class, like he had them all like doing something. Like they all were like doing something and I just stood there. But like in the car, mom wasn't really like, oh, she was like, I don't mean, what did you do when you got in the car? I was emotional. I was like, they fight when your kids fight at home, but they actually pull it together and they've got each other's back out in public. Then I feel like that's a win. Yeah. And it was then, like, okay, I think we're doing something right here. And then another story of uh, being loyal. They're always protecting me, mm -hmm. which I think that's, I love it so much. Um, I need it. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> But I think I was in seventh grade, um, old enough to stick up for myself. <laughs> and Mariah, what grade were you in? Uh, fourth grade. Okay. So the principal calls me into the office, and I'm sitting there, and he goes, is there any reason why you and this girl, uh, is there any beef between you two or whatever? And I was like, no, everything's fine. Lying, of course. And he goes, well, that's interesting, because Mariah, Mariah just threw her up against the wall in the women's bathroom. <laughs> And I was like, he's like, would you like to change your story? And I was like, I think I would. Um, <laughs> I get home. I mean, mom took us out for ice cream after because she was like, way to go. <laughs> I had to go pick up Mariah from the principal's office because she, the principal did kind of have her back on that one. But um, yeah, we went, we went for ice cream. And the girl was in eighth grade. So let's just, Mariah twice, was in fourth twice grade. Her, and the twice girl her was size. in eighth grade. <laughs> Thank you. I would do it today. Thank you. I know you would now. <laughs>
Oh, that's funny. So then another one is us being independent. You always wanted us kids to be independent. And so Mm -hmm. what are some ways that you kind of helped us with that? I think it was important for me that, first off, your father was in dry cleaning. You can be independent and put your own clothes away and do your own laundry. If we could touch the bottom of the washing machine, we had to do our own laundry. Once you could touch the knobs, you do your own. And that was that was Dad's idea. Um, I, I think you give your kids opportunities to explore interests and things that they enjoy. Um, give them freedoms when they've earned them and they can manage those well. I think you, you have to start letting go at a young age. Um, I think independence, too, in our home looked like letting them discover what God's called them to do. Dad and I were called to full-time ministry, but we didn't know what God plan, had a plan for their lives and what that might look like. Um, so a lot of that was, we also had a lot of, well, go ahead. Jumping. Go ahead. Okay. Um, all right. And then the last value that we had as a family is that you are leaders and not followers. <laughs> we heard that every single day of every moment. Yep. Um, but we believed it. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe that's why you pushed that girl. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. I think the next question, Mariah, is kind of where everyone wants to land. Did you want to hit insider communication? Well, she did have insider communication. That is true. So she can snap like nobody's business. And Zach and I, she thinks that it's funny. But Zach and I, I think it's the Pavlov dog. Is that what that is? Where it's like with the bell? Is that the guy? Sure. Yeah. Google it after if it's wrong. Um, But we are trained still to this day that if she can snap in a room, Zach and I will both look and be like, I feel like I'm supposed to do something. (laughs) Because she, in public, she wanted us to be able to be in control. She would say, I mean, what was it? Thank you. Please show us. Thank you. Please. No. (laughs) No is a big one. Mariah said, you can hear this from a mile away. (laughs) Somehow. Somehow, but she would be communicating. And if we, like, she didn't want us to interrupt her. And so she would put her hand on her head, on her heads. What did you have? But we had to touch her leg to, to let her know that we had something to say. And so it was like, but she's over here talking me. with someone at church. And we're like, and then she puts her hand on her head. Like, I'll get to you in a moment. But she would never acknowledge us until she was ready to acknowledge us. And so, like, we were very well disciplined and very trained so that we could, she could continue to do and they could continue to do what God had them do. But at the same time, with all of that, being able to keep us in, in check, I guess you could say. Um, I was coaching you from a distance. You're coaching us from a distance. There we go. That's a probably more... Pr- Anyway, um, so, but you, like, you were still able to do the things, and you also gave you space to teach us about what God was doing in this space. Uh So wherever we were at, it was like, look, God, Jesus did that. We we were, because we were able to do this, and you were able to be here with me, we were able to do X, Y, Z. And there was the stories of that, Uh but I just think that it's important to know that, like, to keep your kids, like, you're, you weren't just chasing us around everywhere. We were right there. I mean, yes, we, we had a look. It's like we could be look at mom and we'd go up to her and she'd be like, 
And we go back to our friends. Yeah, she said no. <laughs> we didn't even ask her. <laughs> like, she was like, yeah, sorry. She said no. <laughs> like, we just knew. And so I think that it's important just to know. But in that, you kind of laid the foundation of Christ in us. Mm-hmm. So what is that question that we have? How did you lay a foundation of Christ in us? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Trying I love to help. you. Um, I think you live it out in your home authentically. It has to be more than just something you hear about on a Sunday morning. I think it has to be genuine and authentically lived out. It does not have to be perfectly lived out. It has to be authentically lived out. Um, We made a lot of mistakes anytime, the times, not, not probably more than a few, that dad and I would have fights. We would go to our kids. Mike would line them up on the couch. Family meeting. Um, family meeting. Dad pulls up the wood chair and everybody Cup lines up on the couch. Cup of coffee and a napkin. Yep. <laughs> family meeting. And we would apologize to the kids. Mom and dad love each other. We're sorry for fighting in front of you. And we're going to be fine. We've asked Jesus to forgive us and all the things. And you just listen. As husband and wife, you will quit fighting with each other because you don't want to do that all the time. It's just simple. It keeps you humble. Um, But we modeled it, so I had those expectations when our kids would have mess-ups and things, too, that they would do more than just, sorry, like, nope. They also had to ask, will you please forgive me and put yourself back in a place of humility and receiving forgiveness also. Yeah. And I think even as pastor's kids, we church was still non-negotiable for us. Mm -hmm. It was. Um, think it's our responsibility to lay that foundation and church was non-negotiable again not because of the title but because we were the Mike Bartolomeo family um, and that is just what we do I love the verse in Psalms 92 13 14 they will take root in your house and they will do well they will be like trees that stay healthy and fruitful even when they're old and that's the house of God and I think if it isn't priority now it won't be for them when they're older. Yeah. It absolutely won't be. Um, it's our responsibility also to keep church fun, authentic, and real. Um, who didn't love having these girls up worshiping this morning? How precious. And they had the opportunity to make Jesus big for all of us today by their willingness to serve. We have Max Boyd is 14 and he'll run sound and Peyton is 13 and she runs media and the brown kids will door greet with their parents and kids help in the nursery they're part of something bigger than themselves it gives them a job it gives them a purpose it gives them a reason to show up it gives them invested into the church and this is their community my kids are still friends with kids they went to nursery school together Kelsey is in the back y'all grew up with the Gergen kids We were looking at family video last night, and somebody was holding Caitlin as a newborn. So, I mean, it was that's community, and that's what you want for your kids. In today's society, these kids need a safe place to be who God has called them to be and grow in those gifts and and have authentic, real people around them. Um, And I think going into just the giftings, you know, as we've been talking about as a church, you know, the spiritual gifts that we have, like how did you identify those gifts within us kids and how did you help us grow them? I think that's Mm -hmm. a question that maybe people have in here with their kids now is like, how how do you do that? 
I think every child is unique. I think you have to watch your kids and and really watch for what is unique, not what is like you or their dad, but what is unique to them. Um, again, they each God has a call on each of their lives, and then teach them also to see and appreciate the differences and the gifts in other people, um, in their siblings, that it's okay that Mariah is free-spirited and destiny is this, and all Zach wants to do is have fun. And that's okay. We all need, we need all of that together to make our family or to create a church and, and explore those giftings and celebrate those with each other. Um, again, full-time ministry, when I was finding, you know, looking at gifts in our kids and um, full-time ministry was for dad and I. I didn't know what God had planned for them. And what I certainly didn't want to do is limit them to my dreams and visions for their life. God had plans for their life. I couldn't have created what they have done and how beautifully God raised them up and I gave them the foundation with Mike in our home. We built a foundation for them to launch off into and now it is their responsibility to manage that and grow from that foundation. I will, I will add to that. Um, I think you also lead by being true to your own gifts and using your gifts and callings. There was years that I, my gifts, like I shared, spiritual gifts earlier are leadership, apostleship, administration. Those aren't like the demonstrative church pastor wife gifts. Like I didn't sing, which you are, should all be thankful for. Um, but the, the gifts that were celebrated were demonstrative, loud praying, you know, preaching, teaching, prophesying. Those weren't who I was. But I was in my sweet spot by administrating and planning camps and planning trips and organizing things at home and raising my kids. That is my sweet spot. So I think it's important to authentically be who you are so that your kids can authentically be who they are. And let's not put them in a box. Let's just let them and let the Lord take and reveal those gifts to you. Well, and I think it's being authentic. And I think kids today now, they can sense authenticity. And they can sense, though, if you're not being true to who you are, mm -hmm. you know. And that, that to me is like, okay, if you're fully walking in your gifts and you're working those through, you're working them out, you're trying to grow in those gifts, you know, they're going to see that. Like they can, I mean, you said it best. It's like they can look at you and be like, like over the phone, I remember phone calls like she would have where like she would be f having a very strong conversation with us. She would be yelling at us and she, so the phone would ring. And Mariah, what is the sound that she makes? This is Rhonda. Right after chewing us out. Yeah. So then we would go, this little, is Rhonda. It's a little cringy. <laughs> But, like, kids can sense that. And so, I mean, you even said, like, it kind of caught you, like, oh, dang it. Like, shouldn't have answered that phone call in that moment, mm -hmm. you know, because we saw that. But I think it's important for us to know that, like, kids, like, you're, every kid is unique, you know. Like, between Zach, me, and Mariah, like, we're all different, but we have the mm -hmm. unity of our family together. And But you guys helped us grow in those giftings. I mean, there's moments where, for me, like, like there was moments for me where you had to teach me like what is that like okay this is happening to me I don't know what this is mm -hmm. and you had to teach me those moments right? right yeah I think you know 
Zach again. He was, I, in Zach, we saw leadership. He was compassionate, creative, fun, and fun, and kind. And Zach fun. always wanted to have fun. Every prayer Zach had was, Lord, help us have fun, and bless, and bless, and bless, and this, and this, and then just please help us have fun. And every prayer <laughs> for at least a decade and a half. <laughs> and I will have to hear him pray this week and see what he says. Probably we'll have fun in it. Um, but we created opportunities for each of them to be creative, to express themselves within normal boundaries, but um, allow for fun and creativity, celebrate their wins. It was important that Zach, mostly being the athlete, um, or the most Ouch. active athlete. Ouch. I'm sorry. It's okay. I know. <laughs> he was in the most sports. <laughs> That we cheered for each other and we celebrated each other and were there as the BART team. Yeah. Um, Destiny was discerning, teaching her how to manage that. Mariah is compassionate and merciful, yet very sp free-spirited, strong-willed and independent. And we did let her express herself by doing her own hair and getting herself dressed. <laughs> some, great, some great pictures. Great family pictures because she of that. She loves them now. If we, if her merciful side, we did not ever, we were never allowed to pass a homeless person needing, asking for money and not give them money because to that. To this day, you still. She will, she is still given. It's a soft spot. Yeah, it's a soft spot for her. She has but given them the sweatshirt out of her trunk that somebody left there. Um, <laughs> anyway, so let her express her creativity by repainting her room, things that. Just let it be hers. and But you had to let go in some of those areas. Like, we looked great as a family, and then Mariah dressed herself. <laughs> we still looked great. You still were great. But, like, and even in the rooms, like, painting, allowing her to do those things, like, she, like, you had to release a little bit, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we let creativity. You kids made a lot of great home movies. Zach some was of the like greatest the master movies movie that have maker. ever been made. It's true. We need to find those. Corn yeah. creepers. Corn creepers. Corn creeper, <laughs> yes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, and now, you know, I think let's go on to um, the question eight, Maria. Can you speak to the mother in the room whose child is away from God? Yeah, I think, you know, each of our kids have walked their own journey, and it maybe to the outside has looked flawless, but um Kids walk their own journey, and I think we have to step back and give them freedom to do that. Again, we build a foundation, but they have to navigate the choices and decisions they make after that foundation is built. Um, we, we stood on a lot of verses for a lot of years for our kids, and a few that I want to share with you is Isaiah 49, 25. I will contend with those who contend with you, and I will save your children. Jeremiah 31, 16, 17. There is a reward for your work, declares the Lord. They shall come back. Can't do it. Yeah. They will come back from the land of the enemy. Yeah. Proverbs, Proverbs 11, 21. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Yeah. Proverbs, Psalms 112, 1 and through. One through two, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. His seed shall be mighty in the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Yeah. 
Isaiah 44, 3, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. I will tell you if you have a child, any child, especially if there's one not walking with the Lord or struggling in their walk with the Lord, you find scripture, you find the Bible is filled with promises for you and your family and you stand on them. There was a season I had declarations on my phone because there were seasons I couldn't even speak them, but I needed to hear my voice saying them. There were seasons that I had friends in Sri Lanka that I knew could pray, and this mama needed some sleep. And I said, guys, I'm sleeping. Please cover this. And I knew that all night while I slept, my 10 and a half hour ahead of me, friends were praying it through. Um, You have to have a, a few core people around you um speak promises over your children trust that he is in the process and that you have built a foundation it is his responsibility to go after your children he will be faithful i would hear bits and pieces of people who would mysteriously show up and speak into their lives and um just miracle after miracle really um they have each walked their own paths, like I've said, to get to where they are today. Um, they have navigated th- difficulties and all sorts of things. They've worked through church hurts, betrayals, um, in all of their own ways. Um, in those moments, though, I would encourage you, shelter and cover your kids. Yeah. It is not a social media <laughs> debate. It is not open for discussion with the general population. You cover your kids provide space for them to navigate life and figure it out and you stand in faith and you remain steady and you be that safe spot for them whenever they need it, night or day, and you give grace and mercy because it is God's kindness that leads us all to repentance. Um, As adults, they don't need, (laughs) once they're adults, they Really, the lecture part season of your life is over. (laughs) I have been told that they don't need those anymore, nor do they want them. (laughs) Um, They now have the responsibility to manage and um, build from the foundations that you've laid. And I will say that Mike and I have stood face-to-face with the devil contending for our kids, and we have won. Yeah. And I think just as we step into that, you know, there are mothers in the room. There are people who have maybe not had a great mother in the room. There are people who maybe didn't have a mom in the room or, you know, they're struggling as a mom or they Mm -hmm. want to be a mom. You know, Mm -hmm. what are some final thoughts that you can just share with Mm -hmm. everyone in this space that Mm -hmm. kind of wraps this up? Yeah, I would say Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in doing good for in due season. I'll just tell you that season is never when you want it, but it will come if you don't give up. Um, I will say final thoughts. Parents, you have one shot at this. Give it 100%. You've got a lot of life left in you when those kids are grown. Just that they don't need, they shouldn't be the center of your world, but they definitely should be a part of your world. Um, what you model today will have the greatest impact on the priorities they have in the future. A hard truth is 
if church is optional for you on Sunday today, it will never be a priority for them in the future. And that is a fact. Society will do everything, even in the best of circumstances, to pull them away from church. Keep your kids part of something bigger than themselves. Give them a job in church. Give them a job in your home. They're part... Don't let the world revolve around them, but let them be contributors to the society and to something bigger than themselves. I want to wrap up by just honoring um, Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith Today, I want to honor my husband, who is a faithful, faithful, loyal leader to our family and to this church, and is truly my best friend. He preaches every week. I do not want your job. <laughs> I do not want your job. Um, I honor my mother and my mother-in-law. They led us to honor and serve the Lord. It was their, our parents' decision to give their lives to the Lord that has created a legacy of faith in our family. Our parents, both Mike's and my parents, were saved all during the Jesus Revolution, which now every age is aware of because of that movie. But um, we're, I'm grateful, and I honor them for the sacrifices they made to invest into us. And I honor my kids, Zach, Maddie, Destiny, Mariah, truly my greatest joy and greatest joy honestly beyond them is being a grandma being a Nona Um, I am most grateful and with that I'd like just to close in prayer Father this morning I thank you and I am so grateful for the people in this room for what you have done and what you're doing in their lives and I ask that you would bless them You know the ones here who are in pain and struggling, and you know what each one is walking through. The ones who have kids far away from you, you know the pain that that brings their hearts. I pray over ones who have lost children and those that long to have their own. I pray for all who have struggled in their relationships with their mothers. I pray that you would bring healing. I ask today that your hand of blessing and favor would be all on these here today in Jesus name Amen All right, can we just give it up for mom (laughs) All right. well if you guys would just stand with me Um, you know we had a lot of truth that was spoken today and you know maybe you're sitting here and you you don't know you want that depth of who Christ is and you want that the passion that that she has or you want to be the woman that that she, she God knows you can be in it you know there there could be pains there could be hurts in this room um 
and, and on Mother's Day, it can bring up pain. And I just want to invite our altar um, team up. And we have people up here that want to pray with you, that want to intercede on your behalf. And these are some of the greatest prayer warriors I have ever met. Um, and they want to pray over you. And I, I just encourage you to come up and receive that prayer. Come up and, and, and just say, God, I, I don't know what to do, but here I am. And, you know, there is a moment in your life where, you know, there, your life can be changed forever. And if you're in here today and you don't know who God is and you don't know what that, what that feels like, what a relationship with God feels like, because it's not just religion, it's relationship. And I would just encourage you just to just bow your head right now. And, and just in this moment, God, we invite you in this space. And if God, if there is anyone in this space that does not know who you are, that wants to, that wants to come back on this Mother's Day, that the mothers in the room that have been interceding for them, God, that there, there has been someone always, and I firmly believe this, that there has been someone praying for you to come back to who they had, God, they knew God created you to be. And so God, we, we lift them up. But, but if you feel right now that in this moment that this is you, this prayer is meant for you, that this moment is meant for you, that that you want to receive God into your life, I would just ask that you just raise your hand in this space. No one's looking around, but it is a public declaration of, of your faith with God. And church, as we do this, as we pray, I want you to pray with me um, and repeat after me, but we are going to accept God in our lives, you know, fresh and anew. And so Father, just repeat after me, Lord, I ask that you come into my life. And I ask that, Lord, I know that you, you died and you rose again for my sins. God, I recognize that I am a sinner. But God, I come to you now, holy and wanting to be fully a daughter and a son of you. And God, I ask that you come into my life and, and make me new again. Lord, I thank you for, for what you have done for my life. Now I'm forever changed in you. Amen.